I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hello, it's Manveen. You can't have missed it. It's already made headlines and it's being described as a publishing sensation. Our correspondent, Patrick Maguire, got his hands on one of the first copies of Nadine Doris's new book, The Plot, and in his review, he described it as the single weirdest book I have ever read. Obviously, we thought you'd need to hear more of that, so here's a bonus episode of The Times' Red Box podcast featuring Matt Chorley and Patrick Maguire and everything you need to know about the book. Enjoy. You're listening to The Red Box podcast. Now... It's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. It's time to begin asking those really serious questions. And Nadine Doris has gone undercover to ask those questions and reveal the plot. Yeah, so the former Culture Secretary's new book, The Plot, is out today. It claims Boris Johnson was ousted by a cabal that has been controlling the Tory leadership for two decades and Rishi Sunak as a stooge of them all. Well, Patrick Maguire, Times Radio's senior political correspondent, has read it so you don't have to. His review is now online. Uh, I was just uh, scanning through the review. In it, he says, this really is the single weirdest book I have ever read. And anyone who does not reach the same conclusion after reading it should be sectioned. Patrick McGuire joins me in the studio now. Um, Patrick, why does this book exist? That's such a good question. And one I am no closer to answering despite having read it. Nadine Doris announced that she was going to write this book in November 2022. So a couple of months after Boris Johnson was ousted uh, from the Tory leadership, or rather uh, left the Tory leadership and was replaced by Liz Truss and subsequently Rishi Sunak. She says, so let's take her at her word, that she was so shocked by what she saw inside the corridors of power of Westminster that she had to leave frontline politics. She had to decline Liz Truss's offer of staying on as Culture Secretary to write this book, to write the account of how the movement, uh, in inverted commas, brought down Boris Johnson and how, in her words, people in streets like hers, the Breck Road in Liverpool, one of the most socially deprived areas in the country, she writes, they have a vote that is in reality a farce, a fake, than what power do ordinary people actually have? That's actually quite a good question and I think she does ask it semi-sincerely 
at least. The problem is the book is so convoluted, so badly written, so confused that you don't come anywhere close to getting an answer to it. There's, there's a sort of good story somewhere buried beneath all the sort of invective about Michael Gove's divorce and the admiring descriptions of what Carrie Simmons is wearing, you know, about abuses of power in the Tory party, party unaccountable aides, etc., etc. But you're no closer to understanding any of that after wading through this, and I defy anyone to actually do it. Uh, before we get to the uh, substance, in terms of the style, large chunks of it are essentially transcripts of Zoom conversations with unnamed people. Yes, and all the the unnamed people, most of the unnamed people, are given code names <laughs> in line with Bond films. You know, Nadine has quite a limited sort of um, range of literary reference, which is sort of Mallory Towers, James Bond, The Lord of the Rings, uh, Harry Potter... Um, at one point, she chastises uh, some of Michael Gove's aides as childish for having a, a, a WhatsApp group called The Order of the Phoenix. And this is a book in which she gives elderly Tory grandees nicknames like Bambi and Thumper. Uh, so there's, 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 there are flashes of self-awareness in this book, but, 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 but not really that yet. Really uh, 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 look, but, but that's why it makes it so difficult to read, right? There are dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews with faceless people that just go on and on and on and on. And you sort of like drift in and out of consciousness. And then they say some stuff like, Tebbit was a wise man. He sensed the danger all along. And you think, what, what, so what, what, what's this book I'm actually reading? So, so and, and, you know, Nadine sort of, as she has tweeted this morning in response to Sarah Vine, Michael Gove's ex-wife, complaining about something she said about Michael Gove, she's like, well, I didn't say that about Michael Gove. Uh, someone else just said it in one of the 20-page interviews I let run on and on and on. Yeah, she yeah. just sort of pops up at intervals. So this, to, is, this is Sarah Vine, the ex-wife of Michael Gove, challenging the suggestion Michael Gove wasn't a proper Brexiteer, despite the fact that he was one of the most uh, Eurosceptic members of David Cameron's team and then fronted vote leave. Yeah, if, 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 you, if you believe the version of events in Nadine Dorries' book, Michael Gove was just doing that to impress the Etonians yeah. in, uh, in, in David Cameron's cabinet. Um, but but the, the funniest, the funniest, you know, we'll get on to this, but, you know, she presents all these lurid conspiracy theories only to be told at one point. She goes, what's Michael Gove's endgame? And then the guy goes, there is no endgame, which um, is a good way of summarising this book. Um, so, yeah, to be clear, so the, 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 uh, the chapter headings alone in this book are terrific. Uh, chapter one on a Majesty's Secret Service. Number two, Diver Girl. Uh, three, Boris facing off against Odd Job. Four, Money Penny. On and on it goes. Number six, Boris, the spectre of Dr. No. Uh, seven, just called M. Uh, there's Boris from the Jaws of Victory, Dance of the Fire, the Rise on the Wall, The World is Not Enough, Casino Royale. I mean, she's... It just goes on and <laughs> on and on. OK, well, let's, let's we'll, we'll dive into some of the detail in a minute. Patrick's read it. Will others read it? The Transport Secretary, Mark Harper, was asked if he was planning to read it when he was on Times Radio a bit earlier. Uh, no, I, d- I don't think I'll be reading the book. Um, and Nadine is a is a is a very um, successful author of fiction, uh, and I'm sure people will see this book in that light. Right. So to give listeners a taster, because Nadine won't. Uh, in fact, Nadine is going to be on Times Radio with Kathy Newman on Friday, uh, but uh, she's not joining us this morning. So we've got our very own Jane Garvey, the closest thing we could find to a scouser in uh, Times Radio Towers, uh, to 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 give you a sense of some of the uh, of some of the key moments in the book, which Patrick. Picked out. Maybe it's because I'm from Liverpool. Maybe it's because I was brought up on streets where you had to have your wits about you. 
Maybe it's just because I'm from up north where everything is less complicated. It was the best celeriac soup I'd ever tasted. Was it different in your day, Walpole? I would ask myself as I gazed up at his portrait. The light was fading fast as my chaperone handed me a Werther's original and spoke. Not for the first time, I thought to myself, Ian Duncan Smith was probably really quite good looking in his day. I smiled back and eased the peel from the fruit. Louise knew me well. She didn't only keep me safe on time and in check, she kept me fed too. But no one will speak to me, I wailed feebly. I'm not Tim Shipman. It'll be hopeless. I like to write historical and romantic novels. I sounded pathetic. It was early Sunday morning and Boris greeted me in the kitchen of his house in the Cotswolds. Both the lids of the Arga were up and I had to take a very deep breath. I'm a woman of a certain age who's had an Arga since I left the poverty of my background. However, you can never escape your upbringing. And the thing about an Arga is, when the lids are up, the heat is escaping. Jack O'Nori. Oh, Patrick. Uh, that, that Arga thing is yeah. such a prime example, though, because that's... The amazing thing about this book is there are page after page of on-the-record interviews with Boris Johnson, yeah. which in another universe might be significant. He literally, you know, says that my chancellor was a stooge to betray me all along, which is quite a remarkable thing for a prime minister to say. But you, it's already hard to take Nadine Doris interviewing Boris Johnson seriously. But when a chapter opens with an observation about Argus, it's just completely... You can't take... You can't even suspend your disbelief and do the service of taking her attempts at journalism seriously. Well, let's hear then uh, some of the more serious claims from the Dean Doss. Here she is in her own words, actually, explaining the story, speaking on Talk TV this morning. So it starts really with the removal of Ian Duncan Smith, what that was about, why was Michael Howard imposed, what was that about? And then it was about David Cameron and George Osborne. And people who think David Cameron, um, his leaving and his resignation wasn't engineered. What I discovered was that by the actions of individuals, David Cameron really was was pushed into that position of being not being able to do anything else other than resign. Michael Gove, as everybody I spoke to attested, was never a Brexiteer. And then suddenly, when David Cameron demoted him from the cabinet to his cabinet position as education secretary, to Chief Whip. There is, there are, I mean, this is well attested in many newspaper reports and, and accounts that people have. Michael Gove was absolutely destroyed by that, literally destroyed, A, because he couldn't keep Dominic Cummings at his side any longer because there wasn't a role. Cummings was his aide, of course. Yeah, baby, and his long been his aide. I mean, Michael Gove is Dominic Cummings. Dominic Cummings is Michael Gove. They are like that and have been like that for well over 20 years. Are. And still are. Well over 20 years. So after David Cameron demoted Michael Gove, that was it. It was over for David Cameron. Um, so uh, she also claims that the cover-up of allegations of sexual misconduct, which you were talking about, um, uh, Patrick, because obviously a lot of people remember it as being Partygate. It was the, the fact that Boris Johnson claimed not to have known about uh, rumours about Chris Pincher and then he reappointed him anyway. That was why people actually lost patience with uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, Dean Joyce claims that the cover-up of allegations of sexual misconduct made against Chris Pincher were overblown in order to take Boris Johnson out. 
And that's when um, the, you know, the bottom-pinching guy... What was his name? Chris Pincher. Pincher, a gay man, had too much to drink in the Carlton Club bar and wrongly grabbed another man's bottom. That was what precipitated the beginning of the end. Does that make sense to you? The reason why it doesn't is because they were waiting for anything to get him. And once that anything, no matter how small, came along, they'd blow it up. Using Twitter and social media and every Remain journalist, the BBC, Sky, every lefty, but mostly Conservative MPs. Uh, There's Jane Garvey there reading some of uh, Nadine Doherty's claims. Does this hold water, Patrick? Well, the allegation that Chris Pinch's cover-up was overblown as a pretext to get rid of Boris Johnson, I mean, no, not really. I mean, what that sort of critique of the Chris Pincher case overlooks is that it was just the straw that broke the camel's back and that it was after lots and lots of allegations of Boris Johnson dissembling or being less than candid a, a, about things. And why it's particularly strange that Nadine Doris should make that argument is one of the strongest sort of bits of the book, insofar as you can say there are strong bits of this book, is where she's talking, I think quite sincerely, about the rotten culture of Westminster, about sexual misconduct. And she sort of cites all of that as evidence that the Tory party is rotten and dysfunctional. But then she sees something like that that is sort of slightly factually inconvenient for her and then, you know, seizes on the words of a source who cocks a sceptical eyebrow at it. I mean, you, you mentioned she's spoken to Boris Johnson at some length in the book, and in fact, uh, it's, that's what's been picked up uh, by some of the papers today, uh, with uh, Boris Johnson saying that the Conservative Party is drifting to defeat, the Prime Minister is a stooge of Dominic Cummings and so on. Is there any recognition from either Boris Johnson or Nadine Doris that at least part of his downfall was the fault of Boris Johnson? Boris Johnson does admit to making mistakes. He acknowledges that hiring Dominic Cummings was perhaps short-sighted. He's quite candid about uh, Dominic Cummings' character and, you know, why he might have, you know, been uh, a choice to break the logjam in Parliament in 2019 but was never going to run number 10. Um, But, you know... But even then, that's still blaming Dominic Cummings, Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know... Why this, Why Boris Johnson's downfall, as I write in my review, is so difficult for his fans to take is because he was basically the sole author of it. That's not to say that Nadine Dorries is totally wrong to say there were people working to bring down Boris Johnson. Clearly, by the end, there were. But it's difficult for people to take that this guy who won such a massive landslide, could have rewritten the rules of British politics, mm. reverted to type and lived down to expectations and was brought down the way you would have expected him to be brought down. Uh, and so Nadine... Dory's this whole book is an exercise in looking for excuses that absolve Boris Johnson of blame. So there isn't a huge amount of <laughs> of critical self-reflection from from either parties, I would say. Tell you what, let's get another just let's just dip in randomly another bit of uh, the book as voiced as read by Jane Garvey. I smiled back and eased the peel from the fruit. Louise knew me well. She didn't only keep me safe on time and in check. She kept me fed, too. Oh, it's even better on the second. Can I, can I just briefly interject? That's one, that's one thing that is very likeable about Nadine Dorries in this book. Yeah. She, she's, and, and civil servants who did work with her, the, the department she was a minister at, do say this. She's nice to the little person. She's nice about her driver. She's nice about waiters. Kelly and Lynn in the common salon. So, you know, there are brief flashes of uh, quite deep and genuine humanity from Nadine Dorries. I'd like to say that in the interest of fairness. In the interest of very important, that patch is very important. Now, um, she's slightly less forgiving about the members of the movement... Uh, which he claims has been 
ousting Tory leaders for donkey's years, but ever since uh, Ian Duncan Smith, uh, no less. One of those, she blames, alongside Michael Gove, is, because obviously Michael Gove, former Times columnist, is our very own Daniel Finkelstein, regular Times columnist, regular on the show, and he's on our new podcast, How to Win an Election. So I asked Danny, is he a part of the movement? <laughs> I think this phrase, Matt, refers to a group inside the Federation of Conservative Students and in 1986, when the Federation of Conservative Students was abolished, I was actually on the SDP's National Committee, and I was a candidate in, for the SDP in Brent East. So I think she may just have the wrong person. <laughs> but, Danny, uh, Nadine Doris claims, actually throughout the book, uh, her uh, book, she claims that you, you and Michael Gove in particular, used your positions as journalists and and. Uh, senior Conservatives to to plot again and again against Tory leaders and most recently uh, Boris Johnson. Did you want to remove Boris Johnson as Prime Minister? Well, I think anyone who reads my column will know that I did. Uh, in a parliamentary democracy, he lost the confidence of his parliamentary colleagues and I certainly encouraged them in print uh, to to lose that confidence. I didn't think he was fit. This was something that was about the country. She seems to think it's about the Conservative Party, but in my view, it was about the country. But there's a suggestion beyond that, that this was part of some, what was described as an elaborate plot. There's even some sort of very odd story that I had to have the Daily Mail clarify uh, wasn't me, in which it suggested that I and the group of other people visited Ian Duncan Smith's house and were rude to his wife, which again, as people who know me would think was pretty unlikely. So, um, I, I, what she's done is turn a group of arguments that are held by many listeners, which was that we felt that Boris Johnson had fallen below the standards required from a prime minister from an ethical point of view, uh, that uh, it was no longer tenable for him to remain. And we suggested to Conservative MPs they should to reflect upon that. Uh, and I was very clear about it, and I still am, and I'm not, I'm not resolved from that in any way. But the suggestion that that constitutes a plot uh, is ridiculous. So whose fault is it that Boris Johnson isn't Prime Minister anymore? Well, somebody said very well that, that Boris Johnson had brought down David Cameron and Theresa May and also brought down himself. Uh, so I would say um, he was responsible for that. But look, I take my share of responsibility for arguing that Boris Johnson should not remain leader of the Conservative Party. I didn't have any power in achieving that outcome, but I hope I had influence. That's the point of writing a column in The Times, to try to uh, persuade people of your point of view. And I hope I did that. And I don't remotely regret doing that. And, she, and insofar as she argues that was not a good idea for the country or for the Conservative Party, though it's mainly the latter of those two things that she's concerned about, then, then, I'm, then that's a perfectly uh, reasonable argument to have. But I have two objections uh, to what she's suggesting. The first is um, suggesting an elaborate plot, which, you know, at least I can say that my own involvement in it is entirely ridiculous. So <laughs> maybe the rest of it is. I can't say because it refers to people uh, who she thinks were plotting I wasn't present at, so I have no idea. Um, but, I, but I think that... So the first thing is that I don't think it was an elaborate plot. Then the second is I object to her basic thesis, which is uh, that... The, the, the prime ministers have a direct mandate from the electorate, not from parliament. And I 
disapprove of that constitutionally. I think that uh, we have a parliamentary democracy. Someone is elected as a leader of the parliamentary party. Of course, their parliamentary colleagues should respect the fact that they've been elected uh, as the leader of a party in an election. And that has a special force. That's certainly one of the things you should take into consideration. I don't doubt that for a minute. But it is also Parliament's job to ensure that we have a suitable ethical Prime Minister who respects the rule of law and democratic norms. And if they determine that, for instance, in the case of uh, the the Pincher case, they determined the Prime Minister wasn't someone whose word they trusted, then they removed him. And I, I, I agreed with that judgment, but that's not a plot. Just finally then, Danny, you, you, you explained how you, you have had a correction from the Daily Mail that you didn't go round to Ian Duncan Smith's house and be rude to his wife. Uh, just for clarity, uh, your, are you Dr. No who once chopped up a rabbit into four pieces and nailed it to no, someone's door? By the way, in the Mail's case, they, they clarified it. I'm respectful of newspapers that have to put together, you know, extracts from books and entertain and inform their readers. And I'm respectful of the job that the journalists do. And I don't, I'm not about trying to humiliate or embarrass anybody. Um, and I was pleased that the Mail very promptly and um, ethically and, um, and without argument uh, clarified that they did not mean me. And I'm satisfied with that without having to wish to accuse them of anything. Danny Finkelstein, Lord Finkelstein there, denying that he's part of the movement which helped bring down a number of Tory leaders from Ian Duncan Smith to Boris Johnson. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs, and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's try and uh, find out actually whether supporters of Boris Johnson have signed up to this theory. Uh, Stephen Greenhalgh, Lord Greenhalgh, uh, joins us now. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Matt. Do you believe in the movement? No, look, that's a very silly question. The movement exists. You know, all the time I've been in conservative <laughs> So you do believe in it? About the movement. No, I know the movement exists, but the movement isn't a social democrat like Lord Finkelstein. It's the movement of the people that were booted out of the party under Norman Tebbit. I had people who, who were in the movement in my time as Hamilton Fulham Council. 
uh, they were ex-movement people. Look, the movement is around. It's known as a force. And in fact, I've been introduced to one of the people that was covered in the serialization in the mail, um, Dougie Smith, when it was introduced to me by at a dinner party by Danny Kruger, who's now an MP. He's the master of the dark arts, was how I was introduced to uh, to Dougie, who is obviously the husband of Manira, who I have a huge amount of respect for. So the movement is terminology that's used by people who know something about the Conservative Party. For me, the story about the rabbit, I was told that story about 25 years ago. I know exactly what the story. It's not new to me. It's just an old story. It's not fiction. It's fact. And I can talk to Toby Baxendale about the rabbit story if you want to get more information. This is the, this is the, rabbit, not, this is the rabbit that was chopped up yeah, in hell. But, but, but it's about 25 years old, that story. So, but it's so, not rubbish. So, so Steve, I suppose my, the question is then, if the movement is so powerful and has been for so long, why does it keep installing leaders that it then sets about removing? Wouldn't it be better if they just installed people as leader that they liked? Or is it actually the truth, the reason that Boris Johnson... Uh, was forced to resign was because of a series of mistakes, misjudgments, mistruths that he committed and he lost the support of his colleagues. Um, Matt, Matt, you've got me on this, I guess, this programme and your show for a bit of balance because we've had a, a one-sided 29-minute on why Boris is rubbish and should go. I'm going to give you one minute that there was a plot. There was a plot. I was a member of the Department of Housing uh, uh, leveling up housing and communities. I was on a WhatsApp group that became ex-ministers because so they all resigned. I watched Kemi Badenoch, the then a Minister of State, my level in the department, exhorting Sarah Dines, who was a junior PPS, exhorting um, Danny Kruger to resign, 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 resign. It was a plot, but it was not a very good plot, is what I would say. It was a crap plot, is my view, but it was definitely a plot. But is it a plot? But I suppose the question is, is this not just is the point that Danny Finkstein makes? This is parliamentary democracy. You are, you you become leader of the party on the basis that you can command no, it's not the support of colleagues. It's a herd mentality. Oh, the herd wants to get rid of Boris. Let's all do it. That's what Boris said. The herd moves. Yes, but wasn't, Boris right. Johnson, but wasn't Boris Johnson... Wasn't Boris Johnson at the forefront of the herd that wanted to get rid of Theresa no, he May? he wasn't. He was, he was the Prime Minister and the herd no, 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 moved no. and we don't want you Prime Minister. No, he was at the front of the herd. Are you talking about Theresa May? Theresa now, you're changing topics. Look, yeah, well, he might want to be Prime Minister. That, I'm not arguing that point, but let's just talk about what happened to Boris. Let's not then zoom back to but it's what not, happened my, to Theresa May. Is, it's I wasn't unique. around then. It's not unique, is it? Well, no, it's not unique. It's, it's just what unique. happens no, when you lose unique. the confidence of your colleagues. Yeah. Boris Johnson resigned yeah, from the Cabinet to try and... Uh, to try and bring down Theresa May, which he helped successfully do. That's just what happens in politics. It's not some shadowy organisation. It's people who who lost faith in him. I think Stephen Greenhouse just hung up. Is he gone? Is he hung up? Oh. Oh, there we are. Oh, well, I don't know what to say to that. Maybe, maybe, he's been, maybe he's been brought down by a shadowy organisation or a lack of Wi-Fi signal. Oh, but in that case, um, if, we, if, we have, if, we, if we lost him, is he gone? Oh, OK. Uh, well, in that case, shall I play some more clips of the book? It was early Sunday morning and Boris greeted me in the kitchen of his house in the Cotswolds. Both the lids of the Arga were up and I had to take a very deep breath. I'm a woman of a certain age who's had an Arga since I left the poverty of my background. However, you can never escape your upbringing. And the thing about an Arga is, when the lids are up, the heat is escaping. Well, I, it turns out Stephen's back. Stephen, you didn't hang up on someone us. Call me. Someone knows. Someone called me from number ten, saying, "I'm part of the movement. I'm going to get you." <laughs> that, is, that is the odd god honest truth. <laughs> 
Steve, we'll let you off. We'll let you off. No, the point I, I was making is that, that Boris Johnson lost confidence in Theresa May, resigned, and was a part of the, of the people yeah, yeah, that he would try to remove. That's, that's just the, well, look, that, that's the greasy pole of politics. Of course that's the So why is, why is it a greasy pole of politics with Theresa May? And it's a, it's because a, it's it wasn't a, a mass prof. exodus to get rid of an MP that was the best bloody electoral asset the party's had in 45 years. It's different. She was, you know, it's different. Isn't the difference just that you like Boris Johnson and you didn't like Theresa May? Isn't that just the difference? Well, no, I like Theresa May, actually. I worked with her when she was Home Secretary. I worked for Boris as mayor. I found myself curiously liking both of, both of them. <laughs> and there was a classic meeting where they both turned on me and killed me in their own way and, and, and actually bonded by attacking me. So I like both of them. I'm not a pro-Boris anti-Theresa. They're both world-class politicians. I'm a humble, middle-of-the-road nobody, but I like both of them. Do you think that, just finally then, is Rishi Sunak a stooge of Dominic Cummings and is he leading the Tory parties to disaster, as Boris Johnson says? What I will say about Rishi Sunak, and I'm saying this as an entrepreneur who's not had a boss for years, worked for Boris um, and been a council leader, I think he's a managerial guy. I think he's someone who's always had a boss. And now he's prime minister. I'm not sure he's, he's, the, he's, he's someone that I find um, uh, engaging. But he works hard and knows his facts. And, you know, clearly he's got something about him. Otherwise, he wouldn't be prime minister. I mean, he's obviously got that class about him. But I'm not inspired by him. And I, but I hope he wins us the election because we're not going to have anyone else. And I'm a conservative and I want Rishi to win because I don't want the, the socialists to win. So I'm going to work for Rishi. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm very loyal to Boris. Stephen, good to speak to you. I'm glad we got you back as well. I'm glad we didn't end with you um, you hanging up. Uh, Stephen Greenhouse, Lord Greenhouse, thanks very much for joining us uh, today. And there you are. If you want to read Patrick Maguire's review of Nadine Doris's book, The Plot, The Assassination... Is it called The Plot, The Assassination of Boris Johnson? The Plot, The Political Assassination of Boris Johnson. Yeah, it's online at thetimes.co.uk. Patrick, lovely to see uh, Times Radio's uh, senior political correspondent. And that's all we've got time for on today's episode of the podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and head over to How to Win an Election. Peter Mandelson, Daniel Finkelstein and Polly McKenzie guiding you through the ways you can win and lose millions of votes uh, landing every Tuesday, wherever you're listening to this. Make sure you hit subscribe because uh, it helps with the mumbo-jumbo charts. But for now, from me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.